Today on Blue 58, the Packers made a surprising roster move today. That actually shouldn't be all that much of a shock. Let's talk about the release of Jason Spriggs before making some roster predictions. Then it's time to give thanks for other teams around the NFL. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Fun episode today. A lot to cover, so let's dive right in. Packers made a surprising roster move today, the second of two in this, uh, well, not exactly in training camp because the Mike Daniels release actually happened before training camp started. Jason Spriggs, now a former member of the Packers, having been released today, technically waived slash injured because he's been dealing with an injury. But uh, the result is the same. He is not on the Packers roster anymore. Instead, the Packers will claim running back Keith Ford, who we'll talk about in in a second. Uh, Jason Spriggs has been, I think, rightfully characterized as one of the bigger busts of the Ted Thompson era. During the 2016 draft, the Packers traded their 57th, 125th, and 248th picks to the Colts in exchange for for the 48th overall pick. They jumped up, in essence, nine spots to Jason to, to take Jason Spriggs, giving up three picks to do so. It clearly did not work out. Jason Spriggs never really developed into the player they thought he was going to be. I think that much is clear. He was not a, a reliable starting tackle. He was not a reliable starting guard. He was not a reliable backup tackle or guard. He was not even reliable when it came to just staying healthy and staying available for Sundays. Just not a great run for Jason Spriggs in Green Bay. But this is also one of those situations where it's not clear what staying put would have accomplished that was better. Uh, We did a thing a while back, an alternate history of the 2015 draft class, where we gave ourselves some rules about redrafting that draft class. And one of the things that we said was, if you're going to take somebody else at the slot where the Packers ended up, um, it has to be within a reasonable amount of picks, 10 or so, after the slot in which they actually picked. Well, let's say the Packers did stay put at 57. Who was there? Well, there really wasn't a lot of great talent there. The The offensive line situation wasn't great. There was a couple defensive linemen who have been useful players since then, but it, it's not just outstanding 57 through 67. So it's not like they gave up a shot at a great player to go get Jason Spriggs there. 125 through 135, that, that second pick they gave up, also not great. Antonio Morrison goes at 125. He later ended up in Green Bay anyway. The Packers took uh, Blake Martinez at pick number 131 with a different draft pick. And then Dak Prescott goes at 135. The Packers aren't really in the in the market for a quarterback anyway at that point, having uh, just taken a Brett Hundley the year prior. But, you know, if they really had wanted to, that obviously would have been a much better pick than who they ended up with. Still, it's not like they, they gave up a shot at, at another great player because they, they got Blake Martinez in that same range anywhere. Anyway, they could have traded up and taken somebody else, but there really wasn't anybody else who went in that 48-ish range that has been just a lights-out player either. Ultimately, these just didn't work out, and sometimes things just don't work out. Fortunately, the rest of the 2016 draft class has been pretty good for the Packers. They netted Kenny Clark, Kyler Fackrell, Blake Martinez, Dean Lowry, and Trevor Davis, all of whom who have been at the very least useful NFL players, if not all the time, um, some of the time. They've, uh, they've gotten some return on those draft picks. Now, the other side of this transaction is the Packers adding Keith Ford, a 5'10", 219-pound running back, initially entered the league 
uh, in 2018 as an undrafted free agent out of Texas A&M. He's 5'10", 219, ran a 4'5", 4'40-yard dash at Texas A&M's Pro Day. Had a pretty good 10'6 broad jump, a 39-inch vertical. He fits the profile of that position we created in a recent episode, the Christian Michael Memorial Action Star running back. He's a burly guy. He runs pretty quick. He's pretty athletic. Um, just a, an athlete for a lower end of the depth chart running back. He had 21 carries for 79 yards in 2018 with Buffalo. He had been with Indianapolis so far in 2019. I'm not reading a whole lot into this one. He seems kind of just like a warm body for the Packers in the time in the time when they're waiting for their running backs to get healthy. Still, one of these lower-end guys might end up having some burn on the roster early in the season just because of how things are shaking out. If Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams don't get healthy, then that becomes a consideration. I think, just looking at the way these injuries have been characterized in the media so far, that neither the Jones or the Williams injuries are all that serious. Uh, Sure, Aaron Jones has been out of quite a few practices, Sure, Jamal Williams has been out of quite a few practices, but there are a difference, or there is a difference between training camp injuries and regular season injuries. You wonder if these guys would go if there was a game coming up on Sunday. I kind of think they probably would, but you don't know for sure, and that's why you got to churn the bottom of your roster to keep trying out all these running backs. On top of that, you're just going to need warm bodies to play preseason games, and look, the Packers have to do that on Thursday of this week. Long story short, I don't see Keith Ford jumping too high up on the Packers running back depth chart unless there are more injuries, and that is always a possibility. Speaking of the overall roster, let's take a second to do a roster prediction. I wanted to get one of these in before the first preseason games. Uh, We'll do a couple of these throughout training camp. I think they are interesting exercises as you look at how the roster is constructed, how things change over the course of training camp. Ultimately, if if you're trying to make predictions that mean anything. And I'm stretching the the meaning of the word mean there because obviously none of these mean anything. Brian Gutekunst isn't sitting at home taking notes on my roster prediction or any of ours for that matter. Um, But early in training camp, none of these mean really much at all because it's not going to be until later in training camp that you really see who emerges, see who's healthy, see what other transactions happen. I still think it's worthwhile because they reflect what you're thinking is at the time, and we'll have an opportunity to look back on some of our previous predictions. To that point, I would like to have you cast your mind back to a far simpler time of March 2019. This was prior to the draft, prior to uh, a lot of other roster moves, prior to Mike Daniels being released, obviously. I thought at that time, 29 roster spots were all but locked up, and we did a podcast about that. I thought uh, there were quite a few position groups where the Packers were all but set. Defensive line was one of them. I thought the Packers were in pretty good shape there. They were pretty well set with, with what they were going to do. That obviously is not the case because the draft has changed a lot of that. And uh, there's uh, even some changes that could happen between now and when this roster has to be finalized. Things in a lot of those roster groups are not all that different, but I think we can get a much better idea now what the actual roster is going to look like. So let's go through position by position here and see if there are any trouble spots on this Packers roster right now. Quarterback is is pretty easy. I think I'm leaning towards the Packers still keeping three. I think it's Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Kaiser, and then Tim Boyle in that order. 
I would take arguments on that. Uh, if you think they're only going to keep two, if you think it's going to be Rodgers and Boyle, that's just the two. That I, I wouldn't fight you too hard on that. If you think it's just going to be Rodgers and Kaiser, I wouldn't fight you too hard on that either. If you said it was going to be Aaron Rodgers and Manny Wilkins, I probably would uh, would depart from you at that point. I, I would probably push back on uh, on the idea that the Packers would get rid of both Kaiser and Boyle. But other than that, I think this is pretty pretty open here. Uh, it could be two, could be three. I think it's going to be three. Running back is more interesting now than it was, I think, in March. Uh, Aaron Jones is your starter there. Then I think you keep both the Williams guys unless something really unforeseen happens injury-wise, Jamal Williams and Dexter Williams. Then you've got Danny Vitale, who is uh, not really a... He's a fullback, but he's not really a fullback. Uh, he's kind of a running back, but he's not really a running back. He's almost a little bit of a tight end, but not really that either. He really fits that super back description um, or the super back position rather that he played at Northwestern. He does a little bit of everything, blocks, catches, runs. He's a great athlete, uh, been a fun surprise in training camp, but also not that much of a surprise. I think uh, some of us have been on the Danny Vitale train uh, since it left the station late last fall. Tight end, I've got the Packers keeping four right now. Four both seems like a lot and a pretty solid number. You've got Jimmy Graham, Robert Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis, and Jace Sternberger, I think, in that order, too. If there's an odd man out here, if there's a change from the four, I think it might be Mercedes Lewis. Just look at his age, look at what he does compared to these other guys. Sure, he's a good blocker, but that's about all he is at this point. And athletically, he's not in the same universe as any of these other three guys. Experience does does matter. Um, and it matters at a position like tight end probably more than most. But if I was going to pick one of those four guys to go, it would be Mercedes Lewis. The Packers, other than Tondian, seem to have the least invested in him. Wide receiver. I've got the Packers keeping six right now. And here's a change from an earlier prediction that I made. I think they, right now, if I had to put down a roster for the Packers, I would have Trevor Davis as the sixth wide receiver. So we've got Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemia St. Brown, Jake Kumaro, and Trevor Davis. Uh, I think compared to the other receivers in camp, Davis's special teams acumen makes enough of a difference that he sticks around. I think they like Jake Kumaro and want to keep him around. And then you've got the two draft picks in, in Valdez Scantling and St. Brown. Now, this obviously leaves Jamon Moore on the outside looking in. And uh, this is a trend that I'm actually, I've actually got an article coming out on uh, at, at the, the main site, thepowersweep.com here later this week, kind of opining on this. What does Brian Gutekunst do when he comes up against a draft pick that isn't performing? Uh, he's got 19 draft picks in camp right now between the last two years. And if this was the Ted Thompson era, all 19 of those guys would be pretty good bets to make the roster. Brian Gutekunst has been a different sort of cat so far in Green Bay. And Jermon Moore could be the guy who tests some of the theories about Brian Gutekunst. Is he really different than Ted Thompson or is he just more loyal to his guys? I'm interested to see how that plays out. Offensive line is another interesting position group. I think the Packers are pretty strong up the middle here. Overall, I've got them keeping nine guys. David Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner, and Brian Bulaga are pretty obvious. Those are your starting five. But beyond that, I've got Lucas Patrick, Alex Light, Elton Jenkins, and Cole Madison. The interesting thing there is that most of the linemen on the roster are primarily interior linemen. Tackle becomes a pretty big question mark right now. David Bakhtiari, Brian Bulaga, and who? 
You don't have Jason Spriggs there anymore, so Alex Light seems to be your top backup. Beyond that, you're kind of throwing darts. Who, who else is out there? You've got Gerhard DeBeer, Yash Nyman. It's, it's not a deep group at tackle. Um, if push comes to shove, I think Billy Turner pro- probably slides out to right tackle if something serious would happen there. But then you're weakening two positions because you got to bring up a backup and, and play somebody at right guard if Turner's not going to be there. So this is going to be interesting because I think more than in past years, the Packers have a lot of depth at guard and even center and not so much at tackle. And tackle could be a real problem there if they start having some issues with injuries. No wonder they've been keeping Brian Balaka out of practice. Keep him wrapped up in bubble wrap until you've absolutely got to use him. Flipping over to defense, I think the defensive line is still very strong. Even with the departure of Mike Daniels, you've got a lot of depth here. I've got them down to only five guys on the defensive line. Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams, your top three. Then Tyler Lancaster and Kingsley Kiki for depth beyond that. You've got a few intriguing prospects beyond that. Fidal Brown, the most notable one given his size and length. He's a lot like Zadarius Smith and maybe more of an edge type too. He's listed as a defensive lineman, though, so that's where we'll categorize him for our purposes. I think he would be the most notable cut of this of this roster projection. But right now, I think the Packers are pretty pretty set on their defensive line group. That does give them some interesting uh, options as far as training or uh, practice squad guys. Um, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And I'm not going to try to sort out who they signed to the the practice squad because there's a whole lot of other factors that go into that. You've got to factor in who might end up on other teams and boy that just gets to be a lot of work and I don't want to as much guesswork as this is trying to predict a roster I don't want to go that far down the rabbit hole edge or outside linebacker this one's a little bit tricky here too because I've only got four guys in this group right now and I think it almost certainly is going to be more than that but I'm not sure who you keep beyond the big four names, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, and Kyler Fackrell. Not all four of those names are the same level of uh, of big name, but I think you understand what I mean. Those are the guys that you recognize. I think they, they probably keep a fifth guy, maybe even a sixth guy. You never know. But who is it going to be? Uh, uh, probably an undrafted free agent type, uh, a, an athletic guy with some upside. Kendall Donerson is in the mix there. You don't, You never really know. Uh, someone is going to jump out here, though, in the uh, in the preseason games, and we'll have an idea what's going to happen after that. Inside linebacker, I think your top two are real no-brainers here. you got Blake Martinez and Oren Burks. But beyond that, I think you're pulling names out of a hat. Right now, I've got James Crawford and Ty Summers. Crawford, the big special teamer from last year, Ty Summers, looks to figure in there a little bit as well. I think that's going to be the path for their inside linebacker depth. They're not really worried so much about the traditional linebacker roles here. If they're keeping inside linebackers beyond Burks and Martinez, it's going to be primarily for special teams contributions. That said, you are going to need a guy to fill in and take a few snaps at inside linebacker at some point. Who that is, though, is probably still going to be primarily a special teams player. Cornerback. I have seven right now. It seems high, and that's partly because I'm not really sure what's going on at safety. I've got Jair Alexander, Kevin King, and Josh Jackson as my top three, even though Jackson hasn't practiced a whole lot. Beyond that, Tremont Williams, Tony Brown, Kevion Ento, and Kadar Holman. I would probably have Holman ahead of Ento, and Ento admittedly is a bit of a guess, especially considering how little he's actually played cornerback in his life, uh, really about a month or so. Uh, But I think... 
out of the guys that have uh, shown up in training camp so far, he's he's right up there. The top five, I think, are all but locked in. You're going to keep Alexander, King, Jackson, Williams, and probably Tony Brown, just uh, either because they're high draft picks, they're good, or uh, you know what they are. Beyond that, you've got a draft pick and undrafted free agent guys, and that's where it gets a little bit weird. It's probably going to come down to a couple big plays in preseason games and special teams contributions again. Safety, the top two are obvious locks. You've got Adrian Amos and... Darnell Savage. But beyond that, it gets a little bit weird again. I think Josh Jones is still uh, still on the way out. He's around right now, but you got to remember things can change a lot and uh, very quickly. Uh, last year, Quentin Rollins opened training camp as one of the, the cornerbacks practicing with the first team. Josh Jones opened this year's training camp as the top nickel linebacker off the bench. I don't think we should be overly convinced by anything we've seen in training camp so far. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Brett Hundley-type trade with Josh Jones at some point. I've softened a little bit on my stance about him being gone, but I still think if I had to pick right now, he would be on the way out. Finally, specialists, three of them, pretty obvious here. J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley, Sam Ficken. Uh, Sam Ficken is in there right now because if Mason Crosby can't can't kick, He's not going to end up on the active roster, and he's got to kick to get his job back at this point, because right now Sam Ficken is the kicker by default. Overall thoughts on this roster, um, not a lot of surprises here. Uh, Most of the surprises are going to be depth-related ones. I don't think you're going to have any surprise starters coming out of training camp, and that's something that I wish I would have mentioned in, uh, in one of our episodes last week. What is training camp actually like? Well, there are a lot fewer surprises than people, I think, realize. Most of this roster was pretty set quite a while ago. Back in March, we could have predicted quite a few of these roster spots. That's something that we'll do at the end of training camp. We'll review that uh, that March prediction, just the the locks, and see how many of them actually ended up on the roster. It's not so hard to predict as you might think. But there is some movement here, and we'll get a little bit of movement between now and the end of training camp. Now for something completely different. Uh, I got a good question the other day from a listener halfway around the world, and I thought it was a great a great thing to, to do to have a little bit of fun here. Brian writes, Dear John, congrats on the new baby. Thank you. Uh, by the way, I love your podcast. Thank you again. I listened to it in Sri Lanka, where I am posted. Just wanted to give you an idea for a show. Why don't you do a show called Gifts to the Packers? This would focus on actions taken by non-Packers teams or players that benefited the Packers immensely. Fun idea here, so let's talk about this. And there is a, a little bit of an, an extra twist here, uh, because when you're talking about gifts, there are a couple appropriate times around the uh, around the calendar to give gifts. One of those times is on one's birthday, and as it so happens, this year is or this particular day when I'm recording, Tuesday, August sixth, is my birthday. I am a number of years old. That's about all the information that I'm going to give you, although I think I've said how old I am on previous podcast episodes, so it's really not that big of a deal. But it is my birthday, um, and uh, we're just going to look at all of these as gifts to me as a Packers fan. So let's dive right in. First, we're going to start in the NFC North. All three of the NFC North teams have, uh, have given me some generous gifts over the years. First, the Lions, right up the road from where I am in Detroit. Detroit, Thank you for being so bad that both Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, two of the best football players who have played in the NFL in my lifetime, thank you for being so bad that both of those guys retired before their age 31 season. That was quite a gift to the Packers and to me. Barry Sanders retired 
at age 30, coming off a nearly 1,500-yard season, just two years removed from a 2,000-yard season. Johnson, meanwhile, uh, retired after a 1,200-yard, nine-touchdown season after playing all 16 games for the first time since 2012. He was healthy, productive, and just decided, you know what, I don't want to do it anymore. He was a little bit banged up, to be fair, and probably Barry Sanders was too. But still, both of them seem to be relatively close to the peak of their powers when they retired. And uh, as Packers fans, uh, we benefited greatly. As fans of great football, we were probably deprived of them. But, you know, they did what was best for them. Also in Detroit, thank you, Lions, for the gift of employment for Matt Millen. He was employed for far too long and uh, really set the Lions back a long, long time while he was there. So thank you for the gift of keeping Matt Millen around for so long. But we couldn't get through the NFC North without talking about the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Vikings, thank you for signing Kirk Cousins to that ridiculous contract, only to get exactly what you thought you were going to get and nothing more. Look, there's nothing wrong with I give it, with giving fully guaranteed contracts. I think that's a great idea. I think in the right situation, it could be super beneficial to both the player and the team. Along those same lines, I don't think there's anything wrong with Kirk Cousins as a player. Uh, I think you know exactly what you're going to get out of Kirk Cousins which is why the combination of the absolute guaranteed money in the contract and that contract being given to Kirk Cousins was so befuddling. Who was in the race to give a fully guaranteed contract to Kirk Cousins? I don't understand it. Even if he was as good as you thought Kirk Cousins could be, which was about what he was in the NFL so far prior to the Vikings acquiring him, why that contract for him? It still doesn't add up to me. Vikings as well. Thank you for trading Randy Moss to the Oakland Raiders. You know, the deal seemed like a good one at the time. You got a useful linebacker. You got a first-round pick. But you used that first-round pick on Troy Williamson, and it just really didn't work out for you. So some of the most dangerous years of Randy Moss's career were spent out in Oakland, where he couldn't hurt the Packers at all. Thank you, Minnesota, just as well for trading for Randy Moss in 2010. That was just hilarious because everybody in the world could see that Randy Moss was ready to call it quits. That was just, uh, well, as exciting as it would have been to see Brett Favre and Randy Moss play together much earlier, the way that they ended up together and not doing anything really at all at the end was almost just as good considering what happened with each of those players in the intervening years. Thank you for that. That was quite a gift as well. Don't think you're getting out of this either, Chicago Bears, though, because thank you for the gift of pinning all of your hopes and dreams on Mitchell Trubisky. You've got a historically great defense. You've got an offensive head coach who seems about as creative as any that we've seen in the NFL recently, and you're tying it all to Mitchell Trubisky. That is just wonderful. Thank you for the unintentional hilarity as well, or perhaps intentional hilarity as well, of trading up to select Mitchell Trubisky when there seemed like not even a snowball's chance that the San Francisco 49ers were going to draft him. Thank you, Chicago Bears, as well, for giving up two first-round picks, a third, and Kyle Orton for Jay Cutler in addition to a fifth-round pick. Jay Cutler, one of my favorite members of the Packers since 2000 or so. Thank you for that. Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's go back way, way back in time to 1995. Pittsburgh, thank you for rolling out Yancey, Pigpen, Yancey Thigpen rather, just so he could drop a game-winning touchdown pass and send the Packers to the playoffs. 
For younger fans, go look this up. It's Christmas Eve, 1995. It's fourth and goal at Lambeau Field from the six-yard line. The Pittsburgh Steelers have the ball with 16 seconds left. And Yancey Thigpen, the receiver who had caught 85 balls for 1,300 yards that year, is wide open in the end zone, but he somehow drops the pass and gives the Packers their first division title since who knows when. Even watching it on video, you can hardly believe that this pass was dropped. How did he drop the pass? It hit him right in the chest. Just kind of almost threw it out of the back of the end zone. It's one of those plays that you watch and wonder how in the world could that have happened. Who knows? But thank you, Pittsburgh, and thank you, Yancey Thigpen, for dropping that pass and giving me another chance to introduce the name Yancey Thigpen into our conversation. Thank you, Seattle Seahawks, for the gift of giving up on Amon Green way too early. Sure, I understand that he only had about 329 yards and one touchdown in the two seasons he was in Seattle, but still, he turned out to be one of the best running backs in the entire league and had some spectacular seasons after you gave up on him for a song. Fred Vinson and a low draft pick. That was not enough because neither of those things got you anything at all in Seattle. Finally, And most importantly, thank you to virtually the entire NFL. Yes, I'm talking you, the 49ers, the Dolphins, the Browns, the Bears, the Buccaneers, the Titans, the Vikings, the Cardinals, the Redskins, the Lions, the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Saints, the Panthers, the Chiefs, the Texans, the Bengals, the Vikings again, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Jaguars, the Ravens, the Raiders, all of you for passing on Aaron Rodgers in 2005. Looking back at some of these draft picks, it was absolutely (laughs) insane. Uh, Some of these draft picks that went before Aaron Rodgers, people talked themselves. And I I don't realize that Aaron Rodgers was not an absolute lock of a prospect coming out of college in 2005. But he was a better professional prospect than Fabian Washington was, the defensive back who Oakland took one pick ahead of Aaron Rodgers. He was a better professional prospect than Troy Williamson who ended up in Minnesota and didn't do a whole lot at all. He was a better professional prospect probably even than, let's pick a name out of a hat, Ronnie Brown, who was picked second overall in an era where picking running back second overall was still not recognized as an absolutely insane thing to do. Three running backs went in the top five that year, by the way. Ronnie Brown, Cedric Benson, and Cadillac Williams. Thank you to the entire NFL for getting completely crazy and letting Aaron Rodgers fall all the way to the Packers in the back half of the first round. So I've got for you on this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for getting us so far into training camp already. Uh, Just a programming note, I guess, before I send you off into the good night. There will be no podcast coming out immediately Friday morning because I'm not going to try to stay up uh, after the the preseason game and record an episode, we'll try to do something Friday morning and get it out to you sometime during the day, some thoughts on the preseason game. I hope you enjoy watching something approximating NFL football for the first time in a long time. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you like what you've heard here and want to help us keep things going, the best way to support us is by rating and reviewing on whatever platform you use to listen to this show. It helps more people find us. If you want to take your support to the next level, and several of you have been doing this recently, so I appreciate you in a big way. The most straightforward way to do that is to donate a dollar per month at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. Just one dollar per month is enough to offset hosting costs for the show, for the site, and helps us continue to build the content we know you love here and on thepowersweep.com. And don't forget to check out our t-shirts and sweatshirts by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com. 
you've got an idea for the show or want to say hi, you can reach us at thepowersweep.com on Facebook or Twitter or by emailing thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. I do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out. As always, every bit of feedback you give us helps us make Blue 58 and the Power Sweep better, which furthers our mission of helping everyone become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.